Good morning. We're going to be starting a new series this week entitled The Art of Neighbouring. We're going to be looking at it in the coming Sundays and also be following along with it in our life groups. When Nigel and Joe talked about this idea of the art of neighbouring, I began just jotting down some thoughts that came to, my, came to me as I was praying. And so I was really excited when two or three days later, Nigel and Joe sent some notes to help me along. And as I looked at those notes and looked at what I'd already written, they lined up. And that got me so excited. I thought, God's in this and um, he's preparing us already. Now, specifically today, I'm going to be looking at taking the great commandment literally. This commandment to love our neighbours. Jesus was asked in Mark chapter 12, verse 30, somebody asked him, what is the greatest commandment? And this is what he said. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second commandment is this, to love your neighbour as yourself. There is no commandment greater than this. And the reason that I am so excited about this is because one of our values as a church is to bring our communities into life. And here we, all, we are talking about our community, literally our neighbours, and how we can bring them into the encounter with the living God, the living life. One of the other values we often talk about again in church is this idea that we are called to be apprentices of Jesus. Nigel often says this, that an apprentice is somebody who is to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, and do what Jesus did. And as we think about this idea of loving God and loving our neighbours, this is exactly in essence what it means to be an apprentice, to be like Jesus, because this is what Jesus did, and to become like him and to do what he did. And so as we begin to think about this, the obvious question is, what is our neighbour? What does that mean? What does that look like? And Jesus was also asked this in a story that we find in Luke chapter 10, which Katie is going to read right now. It's called the Parable of the Good Samaritan. The readings from Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 37. One day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, What does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbour as yourself. Right! Jesus told him, do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbour? Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was travelling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along 
and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins telling him, Take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbour to the man who was attacked by bandits? Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. The Good Samaritan is a story I used to love as a, as a child. In Sunday school, we used to act it out and it was an opportunity just to have a fight. Uh, you know, I'd be one of the robbers and so it was great fun. And so I was very familiar with, with the parable and the importance of the Good Samaritan. But I was often confused with the kind of the priests and the Levi. Why they didn't help the Good Samaritan. But as I thought about it more and I studied more the culture and the background of it, I appreciate it more. You got this man walking along what was known to be a very dangerous road and he gets attacked, he gets beaten up. And a priest kind of comes by and probably all he can see is this kind of unconscious body on the ground and blood everywhere. There are, you know, people in the Middle East tend to wear similar clothes colours as men. And so there'd be nothing that would maybe give a, an ability to distinguish between class or, you know, location or country where he's from. Now, in some ways, as a good Jew, the priest and the Levi should help. However, if this person was dead, if they touched them, they would become unclean. There would be a cost. He would not be able to work, it would affect his income. He cannot claim as a priest or a Levi while unclean. His family would suffer because it would affect their standard of living. They would be ashamed, there would be an embarrassment about it. There was also the cost of having to purify himself from touching potentially a dead body. For both the priests and the Levi, there was a risk. There was a cost and they decided it was a cost they weren't willing to pay. They would walk by on the other side. And then we get the Samaritan. With the Samaritan, you get the same phrase that you got with both the priest and the Levi. They saw. But with the Samaritan, he saw he had compassion and he did something. Now, he also had a risk. Imagine him in that scenario. Samaritans were like the sworn enemies of the Jews and vice versa. They hated each other. And so for the Samaritan to take an injured Jew into Jericho, which was a Jewish city. There's a possibility they might think he was involved. There, might, there was a, a risk that they might think he was one of the people that attacked this person. You know, they didn't need any reason to hate Samaritans anymore. There was also the risk because he said, you know, I'm going to pay now. And also I'm going to pay more if necessary. That was a big commitment. In those days, if you could not pay your debts, you could so easily become a slave. And so he was taking the desire to help this Jew to extraordinary lengths. You know, even I was reading that story and I'm familiar with it, I was thinking, what lengths do I go 
to love, to reach my neighbor. And this kind of messes with the teacher, the teacher of the law. Because when Jesus says to him, you know, who was his neighbor? Even the lawyer, the teacher of the law, didn't want to say it was a Samaritan. They hated Samaritan so much. So all he said was the one who showed love, the one who showed care. And then Jesus said, go and do likewise. He didn't say go and think about it. He said, go and do likewise. You see, loving your neighbor always involves an action. And so what can we learn from that as individuals, as a church, as a community, trying to reach our communities? Firstly, just a few principles which I think are important, a kind of foundation to loving your neighbor. Firstly, to state the obvious, love God, love your neighbor. They have to kind of come in that order. You see, only in a place of loving God, of seeing God, of appreciating His love, do we have the love to love our neighbors. It provides the motivation, it provides the energy. However, if we say we love God and do not love our neighbor, then it's just empty. It's easy just to be caught up in loving our God, just worship, focus in on, in on Him. But if it doesn't result in anything, then it's empty love. I was reading an article recently where and this pastor was saying that he's noticed that there's a lot of new worship activities that you can engage with. But he said, if our pursuit of God in worship does not result in us going out and impacting our communities, then we're just worshipping worship rather than worshipping God. So let's worship God, but from that place, as we capture his heart, as we capture his vision and his desire for our neighbours, let's also reach out to neighbours. Secondly, something I found very encouraging in this season is that we were made for this time. Whatever physical neighbours that we have is not by chance. There's this great verse in Acts 17 verse 26. And it says this, From one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the time set for them, and the exact places where they should live. So in that passage, it's saying that God determined the exact set time for us, and the exact set places. So whatever is your community, whatever is your physical neighbourhood, it's not by chance. You might think so, maybe it's not your first choice home, where you're living, where you're renting, where you're staying. But God knew before the foundations of the earth that you were going to be living there at this time. When I think about that, that makes me excited. Because I know God has always got plans to do stuff. And so nothing is by chance. He knows exactly the way I am wired. He knows exactly the way that you are wired. And he has strategically placed you in this place with your neighbours. They're the perfect neighbours for you for this time. And that should cause us, with the love of God, to get excited. It's like, God, what do you want to do? It's one of the reasons why I'm excited about this series that we're doing. is being able to engage with God and engage with our communities in the plan that he has. So we're to love God. We're to realise that we are here in this place and this time for such a time as this. Thirdly, the Father is always at work. 
The Father hasn't stopped. We might be limited by the lockdown, by the coronavirus. But God, the Father, has never stopped working. We told him, John, the Father is always at work. And so as we think about it, what is the Father doing with our neighbours? He's up to something. He's always up to something. He's always seeking to draw people to himself. And I, for one, and let us as a community be engaged in what the Father's doing. And yes, there is a cost. And that's my fourth point as a foundation. When we reach our neighbours, there is a cost. That's the whole point of this parable of the Good Samaritan. It's so easy just to walk by. It's just so easy just to think about ourselves. It's so easy just to think, well, that will inconvenience me, like the priest or the Levi. But the Samaritan didn't just love. He went to extraordinary lengths. Let's begin to dream with God. What would it look like for us to show extraordinary love, to go extraordinary distance, to love our neighbours, even those that maybe that we don't get on with so well? That would be showing the goodness and the power of God in the season. So what does it look like? Let's just get really practical. Firstly, it's hard to kind of love and reach your neighbours if you don't know your neighbours, your immediate neighbours we're talking about right here. People that live around you. So let's get specific about it. See, the people that live around you are either strangers, acquaintances, or somebody you have a relationship with. They're either strangers, acquaintances, or somebody that you have a relationship with. And for every neighbour, we should be desiring to kind of move down that list, to kind of move them from strangers to acquaintances, to somebody that we know. And one easy and great way to start to do that is to actually know their names. And one of the things you can do is you can draw a grid. A bit like this one. And uh, we'll have one in the sheet. And you just put a grid and you think about who are the eight neighbours that live closest to you. So you're, you're, you're there. So it can be geographically, however you want to do it. Your closest eight neighbours. And then right now, see, draw this on a rough piece of paper you can find. Just begin to write down the names of those neighbours. Now for some of you, you might be able to do this quite easily. For some of us, I can think of maybe two or three of my neighbours, but I need to take some time. I need to find out who my neighbours are. How can we begin to move people from acquaintances, strangers' acquaintances, to people that we actually know? So that when we're walking down the street or we, we bump into them, we don't just go, hey, or hello, we can actually name them. And then we begin do not just know them by name, but begin to know about some of their dreams, some of their passions, some of the ways that they are wired. See, I'm not an expert in love, but it's hard to love somebody and get to know somebody, interact with them meaningfully, if you don't even know their name. So let's begin to get to know them their names. And okay, that may be a little bit harder in this season, but even simple things, maybe you're out. On your doorstep on Thursdays, cheering the NHS at 8 o'clock. As long as you keep your socially distanced, you might see a neighbour you don't know their name. You just go up to them and go, hey, I'm just wondering, what is your name? Or maybe you're part of a WhatsApp group 
your neighborhood. We have a email system for the houses on our cul-de-sac. And just begin to interact with people. Send them a message. Begin to get a relationship. Begin to get a platform where you can engage with them. Okay, you maybe you'll never become best friends. That's not what we're asking. That was what Jesus was asking. All he said was to love your neighbors. And so let's begin to do that. Thirdly, so get to know the names. Begin to interact with them, to learn their dreams, their visions, their passions. Thirdly, begin to pray for them. That is such a powerful thing that you can do. I often find people that just like to pray and those who like to go out and do. But here we're talking about bringing both of them together. That we pray and we do. We don't just talk about people to God, but we begin to be the instruments that God can reveal himself to people. And there's a real power in this season with our neighbours. As we begin to take responsibility for our neighbours, I've learned one thing in prayer. That that which you take responsibility for, you will see a greater outworking of your authority in prayer. You see, we've been given authority in prayer. But as we take responsibility for people, we begin to see an outworking. Let's begin to pray for our neighbours. Let's begin to gather information so we're not just praying for names, but we begin to pray for them in their respective roles, with their respective families, with their respective issues. And this might take a time. But let's be working on it. One of the things that we're going to be doing in life group, and if you're not in a life group, I'd really encourage you to do so, to sign up with one. And you can do that on our website. Because one of the things that we're going to do as a, as a life group, as a group, is encouraging each other to be the people that love our God, that passionately pursue Him, but also people that love our neighbour. And we'll be asking each other, well, how are you going? How's it going when getting to know those neighbours? You know, you said you wrote down seven names. Have you found the names of the eighth person? And then together you can also be praying together because there's a power in praying together. And then asking God for creative ideas, particularly in this season of socially distancing, how you can encourage them, how you can bless them. And then as we begin to do that, we really will be people that don't just say that we want to lead our communities into life. We will be leading our communities into life. So I'm just going to pray now and just give ourselves this whole season and certainly this coming week. Say, God, I just thank you. I'm so excited that you are God who has big plans for the whole world. That's why you sent your son. But you also have plans, Lord, for our neighbourhood, our specific people that live closest to us. And Lord, you individually picked us to live at this time amongst these people. You know our gifts, you know our abilities, and you went, this is the best person to be there, to see this community, these neighbours impacted. And God, particularly in this season, Lord, of socially distance, give us wisdom. But I pray, Lord, you give us opportunities, Lord, to interact, Lord, through WhatsApp, through email, through just seeing them at a distance. And I pray that these people, Lord, would become more than just strangers, just more than neighbour living at this number. But they'll become people that we know. And Lord, we'll begin to discover, Lord, 
what is some of the things that you have laid upon the hearts, Lord, the dreams, the passions, the way that they are wide. And then working with you who is always, always at work, that we can begin to draw these people into the reality, into the life, Lord, into a place of hope and joy and peace that is lacking so much in this season. God, give us the compassion that we won't just be like the, the Levi and the priest, Lord, that just look from a distance. But Lord, we will have the courage and the compassion to step out, to speak, to send that email, to begin to see our communities come into the life in all its fullness that we celebrated last Sunday that you died for.